Income Tax Podcast with Mike Grinning. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artists, makers, and content creators where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. I'm your host, Mike Brennan. You can connect with me over on Instagram, I'm at MikeBone, or on my website, which is MikeBrennan.me. Hey, I'd love for you to stop by DailyCreativeHabit.com. I've created several resources with you in mind as a creative person. First, there's a link to our free private Facebook group called Daily Creative Habit. It is filled with creatives of all types who have raised their hands to say, I want to show up more consistently for my creativity and craft. And so if that's you, we would love to see you as part of this group. There's also a link to receive our free Daily Creative Habit email newsletter. This goes out twice a week and is filled with resources and inspiration and daily prompts for you as a creative person to make sure that you keep showing up every single day for your creativity. And lastly, there's a link out to the new Daily Creative Habit Guided Creativity Journal. And this is something that I'm really excited about because it's a 90-day journey that you can go on that guides you to plan and show up for your creativity and help you track and help you measure and figure out exactly what it is that you want to do and how you want to do it. This is available right now through Amazon.com. Hey, I've shared on previous episodes that I attended a conference, a tech conference called That Conference in Wisconsin. And this episode is dedicated to that conference. I'm going to share the um, talk that I did during that conference. And it is titled, How to Unlock Your Creative Potential, Discovering the Surprising Benefits of a Daily Creative Practice. And uh, I hope that this uh, encourages you greatly as you pursue your own creativity. And if you are someone who organizes events or you know someone who is, or you have a team that you lead and you would love to have me come in and speak to your team and just speak with them about creativity, innovation, play, uh, I would love to connect with you. You can do so on my website, mikebrennan.me. Just shoot me a message through the contact page and uh, I would love to come and speak with you at your event, with your team, and help you be the most creative that you can be. So without further ado, enjoy this talk from that conference. First of all, thank you so much for being here, honestly. Um, I'm gonna be very transparent and say, I'm not a coder. I'm not much of a tech person other than what I use to create. And so I was a little bit like, don't know how many people might be interested in what I have to talk about. I make pretty pictures, so, you know, there's that. Um, but I am so excited that you are here, each and every one of you, because I think creativity is something that is very important, obviously, because I'm talking about it, but also because I think it affects every single one of us. Um, just by a show of hands, how many people here think that you are creative? Okay, most. I get a little bit of this, okay. I think it should be every single hand that goes up. And here's why. Because so many times we put creativity in a box that says, well, it's drawing, it's painting, it's singing, it's dancing, it's, you know, the performing arts, the fine arts, those kind of things. And if I can't do any of those kind of things, 
then I'm not really creative. And I think we need to just redefine what creativity is so that we realize that each and every one of us actually is creative. And then once we identify that, we can say, let's be creative on purpose. Let's make sure that we, we kind of lean into what that creativity looks like. So, welcome. Welcome to this creative time. My uh, hope is that you will see yourself as creative if you don't already. Your creativity may not be, again, painting, drawing, music, performing arts. Your creativity may come in how you solve problems, how you approach things, how you think, right? Uh, it could be in how you organize. It could be in how you make a meal, how you dress. It could be in a multitude of ways. But we don't typically think of those things as important creative things because it doesn't really seem to lead to something so much bigger. And yet my hope also today is that we can identify these things so that as we're being more on purpose with our creativity, that we will see how we can access things in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming or out of reach for us today. So just a quick little overview. Um, I'm gonna do a couple things today, just a couple things. Number one, I'm gonna share my story. Um, I'm going to share some experiences that I have had around creativity and some things in my life that have happened that have led me on this journey to where I am today and fill in some of the gaps. Um, because I would think most of you don't know who I am, and that's fine. Um, but I want to let you know why this is so important to me and why, when I talk about this stuff, I'm not just talking about it like I read this in a book someplace. But I've actually lived this, and I continue to live this. And so that's why I'm passionate about it. The other thing I want to do is I want to talk about a daily creative habit process. Now this process that I'm going to share with you today is going to be something, hopefully, that you can look at and overlay onto your context. Because many of you in here may have different creative problems you're trying to solve. Some of you may not even be sure of what that is. Um, but my, again, my hope is that you take this and you can overlay it and contextualize your own situation. Uh, this is not going to be like a very thick, wordy, diagrams, like technical type of thing. It is going to be more of kind of an overview of things and give you hopefully some questions and explain a little bit how this process worked in my own life so that you can start to identify for your own life, your projects, whether those are personal or whether they're professional. Because creativity is not something that we simply reserve for when we're on the clock or when we're off the clock. We are an entire person, as we've talked a lot about in our time here at this conference. I mean, you've heard a lot of personal stories and experiences. And those are probably the things that maybe resonated with you most, right? Along with, yes, gaining access to certain knowledge for building skill sets and keeping up to date with some of the latest technologies. So, and then at the end, hopefully we'll have some time for some Q&A where if there are some questions about what this looks like, what this can look like, um, I would love to engage with you. And if we run out of time, I am here as long as you're here. Uh, I'm, I always love to talk about this stuff. So don't feel like time has run out and we're kind of, we missed our opportunity. So um, that's where we're going. So I want to dive things back to me as a child. I love Bloom County. 
Any Bloom County fans in here? Yeah. A couple? Okay, okay. So Bloom County was really, really popular. Uh, this was like 1980-something. And I loved the main character, Opus, who's the penguin. And so this is actually a, I think it was like a report, like it wasn't a book report, um, but it was some kind of reported thing. We had a designer on folder, and this was really my first attempt at going, ooh, I can actually use my creativity, my drawing that I do outside of school in something that's actually a project. This will be really awesome. So I leaned into this, drew this character, and drew this, this report, and I was really excited about it. And I showed my eighth grade teacher, Mrs. Harris, and she was so excited about it. She was like, you love Blue County so much, this is amazing. And so we started kind of geeking out about it. We're talking about you know, some of our favorite characters and situations, all this kind of stuff. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to make something for Mrs. Harris that is Bloom County. So this is now back to talk about technology. Okay. So there was something called um, a koala pad. Okay. Really dating myself now. But there's a koala pad, and it was for the Commodore 64. Rock on. Yes. Um, yes. And so this was my experience. This is this is about as techy as I get, folks. Sorry, but um, so I'm there. Commodore 64, Koala Pad, and wait for it, the Oki Data Color Printer. That's right. That's right. It was like tape. Just joy. That sound elicited joy. So anyway, I'm drawing this thing on this really crude Koala Pad. That's like blocky type of brushes. Doing the best I can. I created this character opus, I print it out, I carried it to school, and I proudly present it to Mrs. Harris and see her face light up. You did this for me? Wow. I'm so touched. And she put it up on the wall next to the blackboard. Yes, we still have blackboards. And it stayed there, and she would reference it every once in a while to other kids in the class. At a very young age, I realized that I can create things and give them to people and cause them to smile. Now, obviously, when you're like a kid, you don't think about those terms. But when I reflected upon that as I got a little older, I was like, this is amazing. This is something I want to leverage my life towards because I can see things and do things that not everybody can do. And if I can do those things on purpose and make a difference in somebody else's life, that is worth doing. Yes, sign me up for that. So, off I went to art school with many arguments to my parents. Are you sure you want to art school? You don't want to be a doctor, a lawyer, you want to be an artist, right? Graphic design was my thing. Ended up working in New York City. I'm from New Jersey, I'm actually originally New York, but live in New Jersey. And um, worked at several different agencies that were really large, Madison Avenue type of agencies, and all the way down to smaller boutique places where I was in the art department. So I had a lot of different experiences in that. Um, and eventually, I got to this place where every so often, it was maybe every five years or so, I would switch jobs, right? Because you'd hit a ceiling, there would be staff changes, something else happened, and I would just keep moving around. And it's kind of like, well, what you're supposed to do? And eventually I landed at this place where I was doing magazine layout, and I really loved it. But the problem was that every two weeks, it was a pretty intense deadline. And we were a small department, and I'm cranking out these designs. And I enjoyed the work, and I enjoyed the people. I enjoyed where it was, until I didn't. And one day, I was thinking to myself, 
Is this all there is? This, if this is it, this is pretty disappointing. And I'm not even really enjoying what I just did, and I have something else on top of that already. And suddenly, that spark of creativity when I was a kid seems so far away. I ended up leaving that, and honestly, I left the field altogether for about 10 years. And I did something completely different, and it was kind of another chapter of my life. And during that 10 years, I didn't do any artwork whatsoever. Not even personally. And it was a 10 year period where I was in roles and had responsibilities that were really not in my skill set or gift. But it was also in some places where it was kind of like somebody needed to do it, and therefore it kind of felt to me, and because I had a conscience and wanted to do a good job, I took on a lot of these roles and responsibilities. But what ended up happening was that over time, those things, as well as a couple of other life events, conspired. And things just weren't right. And I really couldn't put my finger on it. Until one day, somebody said, Mike, I think you're depressed. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not on the couch. I'm not, like, sobbing all the time. I'm not, like, you know, not showing up for life. I'm, I'm like, packed calendar, go, go, go. But I knew something was happening internally that was messing me up. I felt like I knotted up all of twine, and I couldn't find the edge. And to really insult things further was I usually prided myself on being able to figure things out for myself, to work through a problem. And I was finally at this place where I'm like, I had a problem that I can't solve. And it just compounded. And it ended up in a season where I ended up having to leave that career, move, sell a house, um, just loss after loss after loss. The final straw was my dad passed away from cancer very quickly. And suddenly I'm at this place where I'm like, this is rock bottom. Like, I'm not in a community that I once was, work-wise or friendship-wise. I no longer have the house that I once had, living where I did. My job, just, I don't even know what I'm doing now because I'm depressed, and who's gonna hire me because I'm depressed? And also because I'm supposed to be creative, and that's what I do for a living, and my creativity is being affected by my depression. And nobody talks about that, or is supposed to talk about that, so where does that leave me? And all these things just kind of piled on top of me, piled on top of me, and piled on top of me. And my, and my father passing was like, the final thing, and I just remember going like, how did I get here? And how do I get out? Can I get out? I don't even know. And so, the reason why I'm telling you this isn't to depress you after lunch, but it is to tell you that my story has significant pieces and parts of it that have led me to where I am today, and this is one of those moments where I had to really lean in and I remember hearing this voice internally going, you need to come back to your art for you, because one time it brought you joy, because you made something, you gave it away, and made somebody else smile, but even more than that, it brought you joy. It made you smile. It made you feel proud that you could create something, and knew that it was worth something. So I needed to find out if I could get back in touch with that place. And it led me to a series of just people and some books and some things. There was a book called Creative License by this guy, Danny Gregory. And in this book, he basically said, like, look, you need to take ownership over your own journey. No one's going to make you do this. 
And the objections that you have as far as like why, like for me, I was like, I'm not a real artist. I mean, I'm a designer. I can do fonts and color palettes and branding and logos and all that stuff. Yes, you know. But like drawing, I'm gonna draw people. They're kind of weird and wonky and there's like imperfections and I don't know, I'm not like a real artist. And he was like, those weird things and those wonky things are actually what makes you you a lot of times. And yes, there's obviously improving skill and you know, creativity is a muscle. The more you flex it, the better it gets and the stronger you get. But it gave me permission that I thought I needed to get back into this. And so I ended up coming to this place where it was a 365-day art-making journey that I was presented with. Terrified, because I'm thinking to myself, I haven't done anything for the past 10 years. What makes me think that I can show up for 365 days consecutively and do something? But I was honestly at this point where I'm like, what do I have to lose? If I fail, I fail. So I decided, you know, I'm gonna set this up as a project for myself. And I was a little frustrated because my capacity wasn't what it once was. Matter of fact, here's my day one. A horrible Starbucks coffee cup. I sat there in this local Starbucks with a pen and my sketchbook that I blew the dust off of. And I said, okay, here we go. And I drew this Starbucks coffee cup in about 10, 15 minutes maybe, because that's all I could muster because I was dealing with depression. And then I sat there and I looked at it and I was embarrassed. And I was like, I went to art school for crying out loud. Like if anybody came behind me and they knew that and saw this, they thought, like, dude, what happened to you? Like, I feel bad. Ugh. And so I was guilt, dealing with guilt and shame and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden it hit me. This is day one. This is day one. This is all I can do right now because I'm dealing with depression. And this is coming back to something that I haven't been involved with for a long time. But I need to keep staying on this journey. And so I decided to write day one at the top of this page, close the book, and show up for day two. I gave myself some little projects. I said, okay, what is it that I would love to explore? I want to do some pen and ink stuff. Okay, great. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try some different mediums, you know, watercolor and acrylic. And I was swearing up digital just because digital reminded me of work. And this was a personal journey for me. And I thought, in my mind, if I make that this division, I won't cross over and feel like I'm doing something for somebody else, a client, or a project that's work-related, and therefore put all these other expectations on it. So for me, early on, I have to be tactical. I have to get my hands dirty, enough with things that are just too sanitized. So I just kept giving myself projects. What happens if I do seven days of dogs? What happens if I do seven days of flowers? What happens if I do 30 days of faces? And project after project, they spun together. Until finally, I reached the end of the year, and I did it. I, I showed up every single day for an entire year. And I felt pretty good about that because I was like, I feel life coming back. I feel some healing coming back. I feel like I'm getting back in touch with that place in me that I thought maybe had died. And I don't really know where this journey is going. I don't really understand the context of this other than what I see two feet in front of me. But I know that I need to stay on this journey. So I, I hit the year mark and I said, now what? Great, I did it. But I don't think I'm done. So I said, okay, let's keep going. So I kept going and kept exploring, kept experimenting, 
had some personal breakthroughs of style and voice and figured out what I like, what I don't like. It gave me a place to explore. And eventually, every time I came to the end of the year, I would make this collage of images and, and I would just kind of sit back and go, oh, okay, this is what I did. Because sometimes when you're in the flow of working on things, you don't really know what's happening. And so if you don't really have a way of, of figuring that out or what happened, then it just can feel like you're spinning your wheels a lot of time. Well, this is the first project of years. I'm in my 12th year, every single day, doing some kind of creative act. This was drawing and painting. I've recently included writing in that, which will make an interesting collage. But, you know, this represents 11 years of my life, every single day. And when I look at it, I can see specific images, although many of them are hard to see, and they remind me. They remind me of some breakthroughs. They remind me of places where I was just trying things, where I was trying out a technique and then figured, oh, you know what? This isn't the right context for this, but I've learned something that I'm going to carry over to something else. And it helps me celebrate to know that I've shown up for myself. I would post this on social media just as a, a, an accountability for myself, because I knew that if I did this, like many creative people who do things in the cave and don't ever bring their work out into the light, it's easy to then just let it slip away. So I wanted to do this kind of in public as an accountability. And it really does help me celebrate. And I know some of you may be sitting here going, this is great, Mike, but I am not a digital artist. I can't paint, I can't draw. Nice story, but what does that have to do with me? This is my context. This may not be yours. I understand that. But I want you to think about yours. And again, whether that's something professional or personal, I believe that each and every one of us in here is capable of creating something amazing. And we need to just put the work in. Some of us are further along figuring out what that something is. Some of us have stalled. Some of us have trouble starting. Others of us have trouble finishing. But really what we're talking about here isn't art. Please don't miss this. It's creating being a creator. And each and every one of us is a creator in some way. So I want to ask you, what's the one thing that you want to create? And I say one thing because it's really easy to have this grand idea of things, especially if you, if a lot of what I've been saying, you've been like sitting there and you go, like, your blood's pumping, you're like, that's me, that's me, that's me. Um, for me, I have multiple creative outlets, and it is very easy for me to get all over the place. I do all the things. I love to do this because it does one thing and another because of another, and it helps me have a lot of connections with a lot of different people. But the problem is that if you don't focus, you won't get traction in any one area. And so when I say think, you know, think about that one thing, that's like that old City Slayers movie, the one thing. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Go find that. 
and just hang with it. Um, but the one thing that you can focus on, because if you can figure that out, if you can apply context to that thing and start getting some momentum and traction there, it's a lot easier to then apply that process to something else, and then something else, and then something else. So maybe right now you want to think about what is that one thing? Some of you know it immediately. Some of you need to sit with this question for a little while. And maybe that's your takeaway for this. But if you know what that one thing is, write it down. Write it down right now. What is that one thing that you want to create? Maybe it's a book. Maybe it's a course. Maybe it's a new product. Maybe it's a system. I don't know what that is for you. But you do, most likely. And if you haven't uncovered that yet, spend some time with that question. Don't rush past it. Because it could be sitting below the surface for years and years and years if you don't tend to it. And think about not only you missing out on creating that fit, but the people who are around you who are waiting for you to create that thing because it's an answer to their problem. And their problem it could be an actual problem-solving thing, or the problem could be, I don't have enough joy in my life, and I want something that actually makes me smile. I think today, we can probably all resonate with that. Be specific. Because if we talk in generalities, it's easy for things to not get started. It's easy for us to hide. It's easy for us to start one thing, jump to another, jump to another. Be as specific as you can be, so that you're focused. And again, depending upon how you're wired, this may be easy, this may be hard. For me, it was hard. It's still hard day, some days. Because I have a ton of ideas, and I'm all like, ooh, yeah, and I'm like seeing things, and I want to like do things as soon as I see them. But it's so much better to be able to focus, be specific, and take action steps. So that leads me to the process. This is the process that I discovered along my own journey. And again, I want you to contextualize this to yourself, to what you're creating, to what you're doing, what you want to do. But the first thing is, start small. We don't like small. Small seems like wimpy. We want like big and grand and You know, especially as Americans, it's like, it's gotta be big. But the problem is, we can't always pull off big. The problem is, big can be overwhelming. Big can demand a, a lot of resources, maybe that we don't have available. Big can mean that we need other people that don't seem to be available to bring into the process. Small is doable, and doable is better. Because when you finally start to realize that those small steps added up bring you someplace, it unlocks this momentum that is almost unstoppable. When I first started doing that, those, those sketches that I showed you before, the coffee cup, that was 15 minutes. It's all I could manage because I was depressed. But even if I wasn't, getting to that place where I felt like I knew what I was doing and had some handles on something, 15 minutes, you know, I argued with myself. What is 15 minutes really? I mean, is that really going to produce anything of worth? It's not going to sell that coffee cup, 
you know, page. I mean, nobody would buy that, you know? Um, so we, we kind of downplay it because we don't see the value in the small. But when you start to show up every single day, and even if you deposit 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it is that is small enough, and you start doing that over time, there's a cumulative effect. We understand this when it comes to finances, right? We can see a bank account, we understand if we make deposits, then we see our money grow. We understand this, at least theoretically, in terms of the gym, right? We go to the gym, we start to exercise, we eat right, we start to lose weight, the scale shows us that there's things happening, our clothes show us that things are happening. And you're not spending all day at gym, you're spending a small amount of time, but you're consistent. So we understand this in other contexts, but for some reason when it comes to creativity, we're like, we need big, we need grand, we need large blocks of time that we can dedicate to what it is that we want to do. I made this mistake early on thinking, well, if I just had a weekend where I could just set that aside to do these projects, man, I could get so much done, it'd be amazing. Or even just like an afternoon, but then what would happen is, I would have that time, and then I'd move into it, and I'm like, oh, but I'm not really like in the right mindset to do this. Oh, and then I gotta set up all my supplies and stuff, I gotta find stuff and set it up. And I would spend so much energy and effort and time setting up to create that I never actually got to create what it is that I wanted to create because I was depleted by that time. And then I was like, oh, I guess I'll just wait for the next time that I have a bigger block of time. And I would flirt with my creativity. Hey, yeah, you can work with that. All right, later on. Yeah, okay, cool, cool, right? But it was never like, let's, let's do this for real. Let's commit. Put a ring on that. Come on, right? So I'm saying show up consistently. And the way that you do that is by starting small. What is the smallest next step that you can take? The project may be big. The goal, the dream may be big, and that is great. Do not diminish that, but figure out what is that smallest next step you can take. Because we all have a small next step. It's just understanding the value in that small step. So the small step might be sitting down with a piece of paper and a pencil and just writing some things out, sketching something out that's an idea. Thinking, engaging with the process. And then another small step might be, okay, I need to make sure that I map out all the things that are, that are nagging at me right now that say, here's part of this process, here's what needs to happen, here's all the people who need to be involved, here's the thing, so that you're not overwhelmed. And again, it doesn't matter if this is personal or professional, it's the same thing. So start small, figure out what, what is that next step that you can take. For me, it was, okay, I'm using a pen and my sketchbook. I'm sketching a coffee cup right now. That is what I'm doing in this particular moment. That's my next step. My next step after that, a small one, is to show up again tomorrow, probably at the same time, and sketch something else that's on the table. Maybe it's my keys, and I'm using the same tools and materials. I'm trying to make it as simple and as accessible as possible, because we have so many things externally that try to knock us off course and then we have the things that are happening internally. And so if we can start dealing with some of the things internally, we can hopefully get that process going 
and get so clear and passionate about what we're trying to do that the external stuff will figure out a way around. If you really want to do something, you will figure out a way. The second thing, schedule it. Hey, that is the most creative thing I've ever heard. Put it on the calendar? Wow. I get a lot of resistance from like the, the ultra creative people that I'm friends with. Uh, schedule it. Are you kidding me? That is so boring. The news doesn't come at 3 o'clock on a Wednesday. We can't schedule that. We gotta just be open, man. We gotta like just be whatever the, it hits. I can't control it. I'm just a conduit. I know. It's humbling, but it happens. It just comes and visits. And I'm like, okay. There's lightning in a bottle that happens. But look, for most of us, those really great groundbreaking projects and ideas that happen, those things that you really love in your life that other people have created, people did those on purpose. It's not like the clouds parted and something fell from the sky, somebody picked it up and it's like, dude, nobody else is around and claims this is my own. Yeah. Right? Like that's not reality. So why would we think that we could apply that? Because again, it gives us an out. Well, the news didn't come this week. It's tied up, it's like traffic. I don't know, caught up on somebody else. For whatever reason, the news didn't come, so I guess, you know, it's okay this week. I'll just, maybe I'll show up next week and do what I gotta do. We don't give ourselves an easy out. We put it on the calendar. We say, I'm gonna show up at this specific time so that I know it's important. Because what's important ends up on your calendar. If you have a doctor's appointment or some other appointment that is really important for you, dealing with finances or having a meeting with somebody, you put it on your calendar so that you don't forget, so that you are sure that you show up. Do this for yourself, for your creativity. No one's gonna make you do this. I'm not gonna come to you and go, hey, show me your calendar, let's see, and chastise you if I don't see it. That's not gonna happen. But you, if you really want this, put it on your calendar. And guard that time with a machete and like, a dope picture and be like, back off, man. That's my time to figure out what I'm creating, to get some traction, to get some momentum. Because again, this stuff isn't going to happen on its own. No one's going to be pushing for this stuff. No one's going to be paying you to do this stuff on your own. Like, this is, I'm talking about having agency and ownership over yourself and figuring out that stuff that you're truly passionate about to create, the things that you really believe in that will make a difference in your life and in the lives of the people around you. And I think that wants putting it on your calendar. And after a while, if you figure out that you can be a person who is very consistent with that, yeah, you don't want to necessarily put it on your calendar or block it off, whatever. As long as you make time for it. But in the beginning, make it easy proof. I know I had to do that. There are a lot of days I still have to do that. When am I going to book time on my calendar? Be specific again. Don't just say, yes, I'll put it on the calendar. Like, look at this next week and figure out that time that works for you. Is it a time in the morning before people get up? Is it a time in the evening when everyone else has gone to bed? Is there a part of a lunch hour? Is there, this was another favorite of mine. I would start to redeem pockets of time that were otherwise wasted. And what I mean by that is, I would go to a store because I was shopping for something, and I would take a pocket sketchbook and a pen with me. 
because I knew where I live in New Jersey, there's too many people. And we're inevitably standing in line, even with self-checkout and stuff. But we're standing in line waiting, and that time is wasted. We find ourselves looking at our phone, we find ourselves looking around at products, we find ourselves looking around at some of the people around us, and our minds just wandering, whatever, and we've wasted maybe 10 minutes. And I'm like, what if we took that 10 minutes and we actually put it towards something that was really valuable? We redeemed that time. And I started practicing some of my drawing, or I started using it to write down some of the ideas I was having, to organize some of the ideas that I was having. It was moments that I could take that nobody else and seemed useless. The calendar was becoming my friend. Number three, press play, which I love this one. This one was also hard for me. How will I play today? That's the question, how will I play today? Play may look different for each and every one of us. For some of you, you're like, dude, you're way too caffeinated and animated. Bring it down. Like, that's not my flavor of play. I'm not all about the cannons going off and the confetti and the loud colors and this pink is hurting my eyes and I can't wait to look at it. Like, I get it, I get it, that's fine. Lean into your brand of play. But the point is, play. For so long, in my pursuit of achievement and of next over now, Especially as a creator, you know what I mean by that? Where you're always looking towards that thing you haven't created yet. And you're not in the now. It's what's next, what's next, what's next, bigger, better, improvements. I mean, technology is always improving. It's, it's blazing fast, things, how, how things are changing. So it's, we're always looking towards the next. And being in the now, we're like, okay, well, how do I play? How do I, how do I play? I, I lost the ability to play for a while. Because it was responsibility, practicality. I have to pay the mortgage. I have to raise a family. I have to do all these things, which are not bad things. And they're things that, you know, a lot of things that we want and we value. But the problem is sometimes we just lose the ability to play because we're being crushed by all those other things. And then we think play is actually a luxury. But in reality, play is a necessity. We think, when I'm done with all the things, checked all the boxes, my responsibilities are good, then I'll go and play. But how many times does that happen? It doesn't, right? Because there's always something else to be done. If it's not work things, then you go home, and there's home things to be done. There's always a new thing that's demanding your time and attention and you put yourself last and say, it'll be a reward when things are done. And then that turns into, well, when I retire, maybe I'll have a few good years to actually go and enjoy something. Which, these days, that doesn't even work out all the time, where you think. So why put off for this maybe one day when you have today? And again, play doesn't have to be something crazy. It doesn't have to be something expensive. It doesn't have to be something big. Play starts with your mind. How are you approaching some things? Can you bring some levity into some things? Some things that actually are enjoyable. Play is possibility. 
It's giving yourself a place to say, what if? Instead of, here's all the things I need to do. I gotta keep going, I gotta keep going, I gotta keep going. And we talk about and champion innovation. We, we talk about all these things that, that we, we think, you know, yes, I want to be involved in some breakthrough projects and do some work that's really meaningful and important. But we don't give ourselves play because play seems like it's frivolous. It seems like it's not directly attached to a reward or, you know, a return on our work. But really, it's the place that gives us the ability to break things, to test to ask what if. This is the only graph chart thingy that I have here. So um, those of you who get excited about those things, this is your moment, shine on. Um, start with play. Start with that sense of being intentional about saying, you know what? I'm gonna call time out on all the things that are nagging me right now and all the people who are breathing down my neck and all the things I have to get done. And I'm going to give myself, even if it's 15, 20 minutes, half hour to play, to give myself a place to then go and be curious. What if? You're giving your brain a break. How many times are you trying to solve a problem where you're just like, I can't figure out what the answer is. I keep doing the same things over and over again. I was talking to somebody earlier, right? Saying, I keep banging my head against the wall, right? It's, it's this sense of, I know I need to solve this problem, but I don't really understand how to get my mind around this any differently than what my experiences have told me and what's currently available to me. And so I just keep rinsing and repeating the same thing over and over again. But what happens is when we play, we actually give ourselves a timeout and give our, our brains a place to rest and, and shut off from that problem solving, we then start to be curious. And this is something that's like, you know what, we've kind of suspended clients and budgets and all the things that typically gnaw at what it is that we're trying to create, other demands. And we're just saying, let's be curious, what happens? What happens if I go like that? What happens if I break something? For me, I was one day I was like in my yard and I said, what happens if I take this stick and I take it in the house and I dip it in paint and then just start painting with it? That seems weird. It is a little weird. Didn't really re yield great results, honestly. But what it did was it taught me, oh, if I dip this stick in paint and I go like this, this is the kind of mark that I can make. And it may not be appropriate for this particular painting, but if I want to intentionally make that kind of mark, I now know what to use and how to do it. And that only came about because I was playing. It gave me a place to experiment, right? To try things out when the stakes are low. And that's, we all need this. Because this is where things happen outside of the keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. This is where you're in the shower. Holy cow, I just have the most amazing idea. And I drop, oh, the soap in the shower. Now it's gone. What? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Right? And then you're like, you're, you're on Amazon, you're like, has a paper that are waterproof so I can put it in the shower to record my idea. Right? Like, I get it. I've been there too, right? Um, it's because our brains have a break at that point. We're not trying to push, push, push. We're letting things rest for a minute. And then things start to unlock. Because we're engaged in this process. Experimentation, 
leads to creativity, it leads to solutions that we would not usually think of. Solutions that are more than, what's everybody else doing? Let's just copy that. Can I just tell you, that's like a personal pet peeve. When I've been in a part of creative teams or creative departments and stuff, and they're all like, what's everybody else doing? Well, that seems to be popular. There's a popular fellowship, there's a popular idea. Let's just kind of rip that off. But of course, change it enough so that, you know, we can't be sued and that's okay. But like, it's just cannibalize something else. There's no original thought there. Nobody took the time to go, okay, that was great, and let's celebrate that they did a great job and that we're looking at that for inspiration. But let it be inspiration. And call us to a process that helps us engage with something that helps us have these amazing breakthroughs so that we're on the other side of that. And then suddenly people are looking at the work we've done and going like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. How can I work that right? So, that's the cycle, right? But engage with this process. I love this so much that I'm actually in the, in the midst, I'm finishing this new book, and it's called Make Fun a Happen. The creative playbook for making fun and work. I'm sorry, making life and work fun again. It's still new, so it doesn't all the time, sorry. So the whole idea of this book, and this was kind of an accidental book. It, it, it wasn't something I was setting out to do, but I, through conversations with some friends, they were like, dude, just stop procrastinating. You know you're gonna do this at some point. Like, now's the time. So even me, after, you know, in my 12th year of showing up every day and doing something, I still have these moments where I'm like, I don't know. And the reason why my friend was pushing me on this is because he said, look, every single person needs more fun in their lives. I've never met a person who said, you know what, I'm fun, I'm good. You know, I feel fun going up, good. Um, and again, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to look the same for each person. But it's being intentional about having this sense of play and fun in your life. And so I have this book where I'm 30 chapters representing one per day, giving some ideas, giving some stories and illustrations from my own life and some practical questions and prompts for people to say, if you wanna engage with this, if you wanna try this, take this for a road test, then get the book. And pick something. You don't even have to go into work. You're like a rebel. You're like, yeah, I'm start the middle. We'll start the last page to work backwards. It doesn't really matter because each chapter is kind of on its own. But the whole point of this is to just engage with play. To figure out if you're not enjoying the process, is there something you, you can gamify for yourself? For some of you, that may be what you do for others, even in your job. There's, a, there's an element of gamification, making this fun. How can you do that for your own things? There may have never been that thought because it's always using your creativity for somebody else, somebody else, somebody else. But today it may be a call to use your creativity for yourself so that you can be a better person, a more creative person, and then there help a lot more people. Because you've elevated yourself, you've elevated your work. Lastly, Celebrate your wins. This is another thing that I found very difficult to do, to celebrate my wins, because like I said, I was only on, always on to the next thing. It was, yeah, great, I did that, but there's this new thing, this new shiny thing that I have to 
pursue, and this new challenge, and this new learning, and this new skill to acquire. And what happened is that I felt like I was always chasing something that was uh, out of my grasp. And I wasn't able to be happy and satisfied with the things that I had done. That if I had actually stopped to look at it, I can say, wow, when I did that, I, I learned this process. I acquired this skill. I uploaded that. Right? Like the video game. <laughs> Level unlocked. And to stop and celebrate is difficult, but I have to remind myself that it is way important in this process. Because if we don't track, we can't measure. If we don't measure, we can't celebrate. And if we go to sleep, don't quit on me now, okay. Um, tracking helps you celebrate. It helps you measure. Now I'm talking something about the drill. I saw you sat up in the chair, you're like, what? Measure that. Hold on, measure. Now he's talking. Okay, good. The other fluffy stuff, what I can forget. Now, now we're now we're now I'm with you. What I'm talking about here is tracking what you've done so you know where you've been, you know what's happened, you know how to repeat it, you know where you're going. You have something to show for this journey. You have something to show for your work. And if we don't track, we can't measure. I'm, I'm trying to lose some weight. And so I'm trying to like, it's not like counting calories per se, but it's like a certain amount of protein, a certain amount of carbs, all this stuff. I have an app on my phone. And I'm here and I'm like, ooh, I'm out of my element. And this is hard because at home I have all these things that I've already set up to get to set myself up for success. And here, I'm like, there's the curveball of this food, or this is happening, or there's ice cream that's tempting me out of the corner. It's like, hey, you're awake, no one will know. You don't even need to track it. Right? But I know that if I don't track this stuff, I can't measure it and I won't know if I'm succeeding. I won't know if anything's happening. And if I don't know if anything's happening, why am I going to keep showing up to do the thing that I'm trying to do? I need to see progress. Progress is what is that's what encourages us. And so it's tracking and measuring that leads to celebration. Because then when we look at the metrics, we can say, something happened. And something happened worth celebrating. How can I do this again? How can I reward myself so that I can keep going? Some of us are really bad at that. And I say some of us, and I'm talking to myself too. These shoes that I'm wearing, some of you are like, wow, buddy, that's, those are loud. Um, I saw these and I thought, you know, these are kind of fun. So going back and embracing, you can all come look at my shoes later. <laughs> um, I'll pose for you. You can do selfies with the shoes. But I bought these shoes because I needed to celebrate the fact that I had finished writing the book about fun. It's now in editing. I'm going to do design and all that. But I needed to mark that moment to say, this wasn't a thing. Matter of fact, I did it in 30 days. I set it up so that I had a system that I employed and showed up every single day for 30 days for 30 chapters and I wrote the book. And some of us have been saying we're writing a book for 30 years and we're no closer. It's taking action. And with action comes clarity. It's not the other way around. So anyway, tracking, measuring, celebrating. This was me celebrating, saying, yes, I did this. So when I look at my shoes, I remind myself, hey, I did something. I showed up. I risked putting myself out there. And I need to do it again and again. 
your celebration may not look like these shoes. In fact, I hope it doesn't because that would be weird if we're all wearing the same shoes. But figure out what your celebration is. Do you like pens? You have a favorite pen? And if somebody takes that pen, you're like, it's on. Who's, who took my pen, right? Like, I know there's people like that. Um, it could be, hey, I'm gonna take myself out for a nice dinner. It could be, I'm gonna reward myself with some other purchase. I don't know what that is. Again, contextualize it for you. But the point is to celebrate, to track and measure so that you can celebrate. How am I rewarding myself? It's not enough just to think about it, but ask the question and write an answer. What speaks to you? How do you celebrate? And if you don't, what is it that would speak to you in a way that is truly celebration? All these things came out of that journey, from depression to being consistent for now 12 plus years, every single day. Some of it personal, some of it professional. What's next? The next session, silly. What's next is if you are interested in learning more about this stuff, you can visit dailycreativehabit.com. Yes, it's the infamous QR code. And if you don't like QR codes, you can simply go to dailycreativehabit.com. Sorry if I'm standing in the way, I don't the pictures. Um, I've put together some resources there, a lot that are free, that if any of the stuff is spoken to you and you want to continue to think about this and be challenged by this, sign up. I know nobody likes emails. I don't like emails either, but it's a form of communication that enables me to do something consistent with you and give you some insights into my own journey, inspiration, give you some specific prompts that are creative, that are kind of, the, the, the stakes are low. Again, maybe there's drawing, painting, writing things in there. It has nothing to do with what your context is. You can still do, you can still try because it's engaging with creativity. And knowing has to nudge the RC, right? So you can sign up for that email newsletter. Um, I've also got a couple of other things. I've got this, this book, which is a journal. I have some, some of these here with me if any of you are interested. This is also available on Amazon. So if you're like, yeah, I don't want to fly with it, my, my dirty laundry never fits like my clean laundry, so going home, that's a challenge because I can't even zip my suitcase. I get it, I get it, I'm there. Um, but if you would like one of these, I um, have these available for sale here, um, the Elevated Habit Creative Journal. And this is simply, this is a tool, it's on the inside. It's a 90-day journey that gives you a template to follow that asks questions, prompting questions, questions that lead you to make sure that you show up with intention. So it's designed so that in the morning, you basically spend five minutes and you just start, start to set the intention. What am I creating today? What am I going to show up? You write those things down. Fill in as much specifics as you can with them. And at the end of the day, you revisit it and then you answer some other questions. Did I do what I said I was going to do? Did I create today? If I did, what did that look like? How am I going to celebrate and play? It's getting into a habit. It's keeping this stuff before you. And so this is what I've designed this journal to be. It's a guide and a help for you to take and bring your own context, your own projects to it. It's a system. And at the end of 90 days, if you stuck with it, even if you have days where you're like, oh, that was a dog, it's fine because it's showing you a journey. 
And our journeys are more than just a one day or a day one, right? So by all means, I invite you to take advantage of this uh, if that's of interest to you. And um, if not, I would love to just have a conversation. I would love to help you in any way that I can regarding your own creativity. Um, this is the session feedback thing that I was supposed to give you. So I'm doing that and following the rules as a nice creative boy. Um, but of course, I contextualize it with my own branding because, you know, we have to get out of the box somehow. Um, so with that, are there any questions in the remaining seven or so minutes? Yeah. Sorry, I ran a little bit longer than that for not as many questions, but any questions? Yes, question. So, I know that you mentioned that day one, you had sort of a shame. Yes. How do you kind of move past that? Like, you keep doing it, but when do you stop feeling sort of When do you stop feeling shameful? Yeah, yeah. yeah like your creation. Yeah, so it's, that's a great question. And I think the first thing is acknowledging that it's there. You can't pretend that you don't feel that way. Um, and acknowledging the gap in what you see and what you're experiencing, right? Because so many of us can envision things that are much greater than what we're actually able to execute on for a variety of reasons. And to not let that gap discourage us from the whole process, but to actually say, okay, I'm gonna lean into this and do what I can do. So it's acknowledging it, it's staying active in it. Because if you give up, if you let that voice of discouragement derail you, you'll never get past that point of shame. Um, for me, it was also acknowledging, look, I am, I'm not well. I'm struggling from some mental health issues right now. And I don't have the capacity that I once had. I don't have the energy that I once had. But what do I have? I had to turn the conversation around to that. What does this actually mean possible? and then start to embrace it from that side so that I wasn't judging it and trying to stay in that place of shame. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? Okay. Yes? How do you decide what to, to keep for posterity and what to conveniently destroy? Um, I, I, I did get a vibe that you're, you're kind of keeping everything. I didn't know if you had strong opinions about it. Yes. This is a nice way of him saying, you're a pack rat, dude. Um, <laughs> no, I get it, I get it. That's a legit question, thank you. Yes, yes, very true. I, I did not want to just throw anything out because I knew that I was looking at a larger context of my journey. And I knew that I had to do a lot of bad work before I got to the good work. Nobody ever really talks about that. Everybody always talks about the right work, the highlight work, right? For me, in the art world, it was the masters. We go and celebrate the masters at the museum and it's like incredible and our minds are blown. Yes, we should celebrate those things. But can we look at the other side of the painting where it's like all the mess ups and screw ups and stuff and all the things that like, the people destroyed and is anyone anybody to see? Like that's the, those are the iterations that led up to the great things. And so I don't really throw anything out because I want to be reminded of the iterations. I want to be reminded that I can try it work sometimes. And to not be like, hey, yeah, I have a big head about my own creativity. Like, no, I'm like everybody else. The only difference is between me and somebody else is maybe just because I decided I was going to show up every single day. And when you put the work in, stuff happens. So that's my reminder that stuff happens. And sometimes that stuff isn't great stuff either. One last quick one, maybe? Anybody? Any other questions? Yes? Uh, you talked a little bit about accountability. Do you yes. have any tips there? Or 
Yes. Accountability. Often and what? Yes. So accountability. Um, I try to really lean into social media for my purposes of accountability. Um, social media is not great for a lot of things. Um, and there was also, of course, when I'm putting stuff out there that I'm not even proud of that work. There's a bit of like, you know, people can be like, dude, you suck, you know. Um, but I was more invested in this. I'm going to have a consistent time when I'm doing this so that if I miss, someone will ask me, where'd you go? What happened? So I was trying to leverage systems that I already could recognize that would help with accountability. Sometimes it was social media like that. Other times there were, were groups of friends that I had. And, and sometimes it's, it's easier if you have other people who are around you who want to create things as well. They don't even have to be the same things or whatever. Just, hey, we're all gonna be engaged in this process. And what if we just checked in with each other? What if at you know, the end of the day, we just sent a little you know, snapshot of here's what I did today, or you know, doing a journal with people to be like, hey, we're gonna meet weekly and just show like, here's what my discoveries were, here's where my breakthroughs and the process, the places where I'm stumbling and I need some help. I think it's having a conversation um, and not trying to lone ranger it. Yeah. We have two minutes left. Yes? Oh, you're going to clap? You can clap. Is there any more? Thanks for listening today. I'd appreciate it if you would subscribe, leave a rating and a review. It really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others.